0: I admit that uh, when I give someone a gift, and I later discover that they haven't used it, it kind of makes me feel a bit sad. Do any of you feel that way? I I know I shouldn't, because when you give someone a gift, it's theirs to do whatever they want. But I always feel a little bit let down. Not that you should feel bad if I've given you a gift and you haven't used it. (laughs) Uh, But I remember one time in particular, Uh, This was many years ago before I had kids, and we had friends that were moving, and they had a young little boy, and they were getting ready to move, and this little boy particularly loved Diego. Any Dora Diego parents out there right now in that phase? And he loved Diego, and we wanted to buy him a present, and so we bought him this, uh, like, game, a a Diego game that featured Diego, and we gave it to him as a moving present, you know, a little goodbye gift. And they said, thank you, and it was all fine. A couple years later, by now I had uh, young children, Uh, mutual friends were getting ready to move. And, uh, no, they weren't getting ready to move, but they were getting rid of some items. And so these friends had, she said, oh, I have a bag of toys here if you'd like to look at them and see if your son might want any. And in this bag of toys was this unopened, very familiar Diego game. And I kind of couldn't resist, I was like, oh, where'd you get the Diego game? And they said, oh, yeah, so-and-so gave us that a couple of years ago. And this was the friends that we'd given the game to. So I very quickly realized that the Diego game had never been used, had never been opened, and I did feel a little sad, even though looking back, I now realize that the day someone's moving and I'll pack the hand in a giant board game is probably not the best gift to give. Nonetheless, nonetheless, I realized I add in to nonetheless a while ago. Nonetheless, I realized that... Uh, it can make us feel really sad that we give someone something, we do it with good intentions, and it's just maybe not even opened. And so I think I I empathize a bit with the master here who feels disappointed in this story when his gift is never used. Now, we're talking about something really important, and that's what this story is about, and that is the kingdom of God. And we have some slides that you're going to see. And we've been talking about how Jesus taught us what the kingdom of God was. Now, the kingdom of God is an interesting idea. Jesus spent lots of time actually saying, here's what the kingdom of God is. And kingdom can be an unusual word. You know, we don't really use the word kingdom anymore outside of sort of fairy tales. What we mean is like the world of God. And we've been talking about how the kingdom of God comes whenever we see God's world looking as God wants. When we bring love, justice, mercy, and hope. And Jesus taught that. He said, I've come, and so God's kingdom is here, and I want all of you people to go out and make the world look the way God wants it to look. And when that happens, the kingdom is here. And he, some of the stories we've looked at already to talk about what that kingdom is like is Jesus said the kingdom of heaven is like yeast, and it's like mustard seed. And we talked about how when we do little things, which these things are very small, they grow into something much bigger. And then we talked about how the kingdom of heaven, Jesus said, is like a net, And he said you cast this net out and it casts all kinds of fish. And he said the kingdom of heaven is like this net that can collect everything, everyone. And we talked about casting that net broadly and how that helps us live in God's kingdom. Then we talked about how the kingdom of God is like a king. There was a story he told, a king who forgave one of his servants a kajillion billion dollars, an exorbitant amount of money. And we said the kingdom of God is like this blank account book that God forgives us And we have no record before him when we receive that forgiveness. And then uh, Stan Porter preached. And he told a story about the kingdom of God being like a man who hired people to work for him. He hired some in the morning and some in the middle of the day and some at the end of the day. And at the end of the day, everyone got paid the same amount. We use this blank paycheck, a void paycheck to remind us of that. To say, you know what? Some of us aren't more privileged than others in the kingdom of heaven. That as we come, no matter when, no matter from where, no matter who we are, that there's space for all of us. Sam talked about how the kingdom of God is like a party, a banquet actually, that we are all invited to with this nice party invitation. And then we, and all of these are examples of the kingdom here and now and the ways that we live out that. But there's also this aspect of God's kingdom that is coming. And Christians believe that Jesus will come back one day, which is great news. And when Jesus comes back... the fullness of the kingdom, all the stuff we're waiting for will come to be in completion. And we have stories that talk about what it looks like when Jesus returns. And they're meant to tell us like how we should be ready. And last week we told a story about 10 women who had lamps as they were waiting for a wedding to start and only five had enough oil to last until the wedding began. And we reminded that Jesus said, you know what, sometimes you're going to wait, that you're impatient for me to come or you're impatient for me to work in your life. And that makes sense. But remember that sometimes the kingdom of God includes waiting, even as that can be heard. And today we told a story, Stephanie read a story for us, where Jesus says the kingdom of God, actually says it is also like, but it's in the context of saying the kingdom of God. He says the kingdom of God is like a master who gave his servants some talents. And that's really money. So I have some money here to remind us of this. The kingdom of God is like a master, actually says bags of gold, didn't have any of those kicking around. And um, really failed on the illustration there. Um, and he says, it actually, the word that's originally used there is he actually gives talents. And we'll talk about that in a minute. And he gives these servants bags of gold. And it says some, one's given five, one's given two, one's given one. And w- the first two people, they take that, those bags of gold, they use them well, and they actually multiply them. When the, king, when the master comes back, he is happy that they've been used well. But one servant is frightened, and so he just hides his bag of gold. He digs it, a hole. That's actually quite common. Uh, At the time, lots of houses had dirt floors, so that was a common place to hide your money. And he digs this hole to hide his money, and when the master comes back, he says, well, you know, I didn't lose it, but I still have what I got. And the master is profoundly disappointed and says, in fact, you are going to miss out on the kingdom of heaven. It might sound like a really harsh story, but in this story... Jesus loves telling stories that have symbols. The master is Jesus, and he's talking to his followers, and he's saying, all of those who follow me are like the servants in this story. And Jesus gives us gifts. He gives us things that he wants us to use. And one day we will have the opportunity of seeing how they were used and showing Jesus how they were used and sharing in his joy when we see them used well. Let me tell you a couple things that I notice about this story. I've heard this story told a lot in church. Sometimes when I preach a series, I'm like, I've never preached on this before. I've never heard a sermon on this. I've heard lots of sermons on this passage as someone who spent lots of time in church. But even this week as I spent time in this story again, I noticed things I'd never noticed before. That's the fun thing about the Bible. Here's what I noticed this week. I noticed that the master is very generous. Now I admit that sometimes when I read that story, I would think, "How come one guy gets five and someone else gets two and someone else gets one?" Please note, it's still a bag of gold. It's lo- it's a lot to give a servant. In fact, as I said earlier, the word that is written "bags of gold" here is actually talent, and the word talent at this time was a unit of money. We talked about this a few weeks ago, and in fact. Uh, it says, originally, in the, it says five talents. So the first servant's given five talents, the next two talent, and the next one talent. A talent equaled 6,000 denarii. One denarius was a day's wage. One talent equaled 20 years of work. So if we assume, I'll just pick a number that maybe someone medium. If a, someone at working a common laborer making $50,000 a year, one talent today is equal to a million dollars. So the first servant's given five million dollars, the second servant two million, and the third one million. So even while we might think, "Well, that third servant gets a little less," he gets a million dollars from a master to a servant that doesn't have to give them anything. This is a profoundly generous amount. And it shows the incredible faith and trust the master has in their servants. That's a lot of money for a master to give a servant, don't you think? That master really trusts those servants. So we remember in this story that in in this story, the master is Jesus and we are the servants. And Jesus has given us great gifts very generously. We have been given beyond what we deserve or beyond what we earn. And they are good, generous gifts from God. They are not all the same. We know that. We look around. I only have to watch American Idol to go, I didn't get as much talent as somebody else. (laughs) You know that too, Liliana? Right, so you might look at someone and say, why did they get more? We don't know why that is. But what we know is that God is generous and we have been given great resources and great talents and great skills. Because Jesus has faith in us to use them well. The other thing that I notice in this story is the assumption when the master gives the gifts that the people are going to use the gifts. Because it actually says when he came back, he says he gathers his servants to settle accounts. So the whole purpose of giving the gift was that it would be used, right? It wasn't dig a hole. It wasn't laid in a closet. It wasn't re-gifted. It was meant to be used for the master's work. And in the same way, the things God gives us are meant to be used for God. And we can forget that. We can get mixed up and think the stuff we've been given is actually supposed to be used for us, right? Now some of you have heard this story, but lots of you are new. But I once learned this lesson quite powerfully from Drew Carey, as in host of The Price is Right. So many years ago, I actually went and watched a taping of The Price is Right. Super fun, highly recommend it. Um, I was on my own. I'd grown up, I was wanted to do that. We were in LA. I'm like, I'm going to watch a taping of The Price is Right. So we get in there. I'm in the front row because I was there very early. And what some of you may not know, and this may be the only thing you remember from the sermon, ironically, is I actually use my middle name. My first name is Gina. Take that in if you want. People have a reaction to that. And so, uh, aside. Always use my middle name. Mom thought Gina Leanne sounded better. So we'll just get that out there. So I have this big tag on saying Gina, which is important to the story because it comes up a few times. So I'm wearing Gina, my name tag. I'm in the front row. And when the breaks are happening, Drew Carey keeps talking to me, which was very funny. And so at one point, he uh, asks me what to do. And I say, I'm a minister, which obviously he finds very interesting because I'm all of like 29. And you're not probably expecting this 29-year-old female minister sitting in the front row. The price is right. So he finds this very interesting. We keep talking about this in the different uh, breaks and so on. And then one of the contestants gets called up, you know, to play a game. I did not get called up. And like often happens on The Price is Right, which maybe you haven't seen, but it's a game show. And he gets to the end, right, and he has the car. And he's like, does one more. He's like, I'm going to try for one more thing, like, to get the final prize. And he ends up losing everything, as often happens on The Price is Right. And so, he, you know, he's like, oh, and we're all so sad for him. He goes and sits down. And then and the break, Drew Carey turns and looks at me and he says, but it's okay because everything is God's anyway, right, Gina? (laughs) So if you ever doubt that, everything is God's anyway, right, Gina? It's very true. But we forget that so easily. We forget that all that we've been given is to be used by God and used in all the places God puts us. Some of you have been given incredibly gifts, incredible gifts in business and organization. Some of you are great teachers. Some of you are great bakers, great servants, great at just caring for others. Some of you are great at listening. Some of you are great organizers, as I said. Some of you are so good at being there for other people. And all of those things are meant to be used by God. Here, some of you use that as you bake cookies, as you count money on Sundays, as you just sit down and put an arm around someone who needs it, the person who smiles when someone walks in the door. And you are also meant to use that out there. All the gifts you've been using are meant to be used everywhere. And we can divide it up. And if you have been incredibly gifted at, as I said, serving in business, being teachers, those things you do can be used out there. Everything is for God's glory. You do it to God's glory you do it so that God can be honored to show the kingdom value you do it to bless others, to care for others, because we have been given good gifts, and God meant for us to use them. The other thing I notice in this story is that the master has gone a long time. It says he's gone a very long time. And we talked about that last week, and I just wanted to remind us that again, in the kingdom, we are to be prepared to wait. We don't know when the master will return. He's gone a long time. And in the meantime... We are to use our gifts. But when he does get back and he calls those first two servants, he's very pleased. They haven't got, this is interesting, they haven't gotten the same amount, and they haven't made the same amount. The first servant gives him back ten bags of gold. The second servant gives him back four. So you could argue that the first servant, like he gave six whole extra bags of gold. But the master says the same, exact same thing to both the servants. He says, well done, good and faithful servant. Isn't that great? Well done, good and faithful servant. He doesn't say, I mean, you weren't quite as good as this dude over here. He says, you used what I gave you. That's all I asked. And then he says, come and share in my happiness. Come be part of this. Look at what you've done. Look at how this has contributed to the kingdom. But, of course, there's one servant who hasn't, and he comes and admits that he hasn't used his talent at all and said he's dug it in a hole. He has done nothing with it while the master is gone, and the master is profoundly unhappy, so unhappy that he says you don't even belong in this kingdom. You have so missed who I am. Kind of not unlike how I felt the Diego game, but I think maybe a little bit more extreme. I think then the question to ask ourselves is to recognize how often we can be like the last servant and to see how much we can be like him in the reasons that he does this and the reasons that maybe make sense. And let's look at those for a minute. Why does the servant not use his talent? And how is that like us? Well, first of all, we can see that the servant doesn't actually trust the character of his master. Listen to what he says. He says, master, this is in verse 24, I knew you are a hard man. I knew you are a hard man. We actually have no evidence that this master is a hard man. He gave him a million dollars. But he says he's hard. In fact, the word that is originally used in the original language here implies exploitation. He says you exploit people. He has misunderstood his master's character. And sometimes, for lots of very good reasons, sometimes because of our own fathers, we struggle with things like the idea that God is a good father. (laughs) Those words didn't always go together for us. We believe that God is not good that he is out to get us, that we would let God down. And so because we are afraid and fearful of God, we don't understand his character, we don't trust that character, we say, you know, maybe I should just not take any risks. (laughs) And that can be sometimes why we don't step out and do the things God has allowed us to do. Of course, the important thing to remember is he was wrong about the master's character. And my invitation for you is if that's how you've understood God, to, to look again and to ask if that's how God really is. God indeed presents himself to us as loving and kind and generous. And it would also seem that this servant chooses comfort, security over risk. I also get this. It's a lot safer to put the talent in the ground. Then you don't risk losing it. You don't risk messing up, right? You don't risk making mistakes. You don't risk looking dumb. You don't risk someone saying, you're no good at that. You don't risk getting overtired. You don't risk giving too much of yourself. You don't risk having to give up your Netflix time. You don't risk maybe spending money in a way, giving generously. You don't miss having that money for the things maybe you feel are more important to do. I can think of so many times that we also make excuses like the servant and like I've made them. We say all kinds of excuses because we want to protect our own comfort. And they do include things like I don't have enough time or I'm not good enough at that. How often, I invite you to think, have we said like I don't have time to serve in any way, but then we can spend hours and hours, using example, watching a TV show. And we, we can't, oh, I, I can't stand at the door for 10 minutes on a Sunday. It's interesting, the excuses that we make. And it comes back to often wanting to stay comfortable. And comfort is, of course, a logical thing to desire. This is what the servant chooses. But the shame is that he has forgotten that the gift was given by the master to be used. Not so he could sit on it in his house and go, look at how great this is. But so that it could be used well. And the last thing that I think I see, and there's, I'm sure there's others you might notice, is that he is afraid. In fact, he actually says this, he owns this, he comes to the master, he says, I knew you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered scattered seed, so I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. So here's what belongs to you. And lots of us are afraid, and I know that to be true, and I think maybe that's the biggest one. We're afraid that, as I said, we're not good enough, we're afraid we don't really have anything to offer, We're afraid we'll mess it up. We're afraid we'll look silly. We're afraid what people will say. We're afraid of all those things that will somehow be a letdown to others. But interestingly enough, often we can think about the ways and make space for the fact that God calls us out on our pride. Right? That we'll say, well, if someone says, like, I'm so good at this, like, this is all me we'd probably be able to say, no, 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 like it's not all me, it's God. It's God working in me, like I give God credit. It's not all me when people give us, cre- when people give us credit. But sometimes we actually forget to God give God credit the other way. And it's with a humility that is not from God. And it's when we say, oh, you know, see, I couldn't do that. I'm actually not good enough for that. It's actually an equal lie to saying I'm doing this all on my own. And both of them don't give God any credit. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> when we say I can't do that, I couldn't possibly, we're saying, well, God isn't going to work in me. We're not allowing it to say this is actually what God has called me to do. And sometimes I actually really struggle with that one. Some of you know I do lots of writing, and sometimes I feel very bashful about sharing that, right? I think, well, I don't want to promote myself too much. So, like, I'll put something I wrote online. I'll be like, you know, here it is. Like, whatever if you want. Like, it's cool if you want to read it. And, uh, and then someone said to me one time, they were like, you need to promote yourself more. And I'm like, no, no, I don't really want to do that. I don't want to share it too much. And they said, do you think God wants you to say those things? I'm like, I really do. So if it's God that wants you to say, why would you be bashful about sharing it? Maybe you actually think it is you doing it. It was an interesting challenge. Sometimes we think so little of ourselves that we don't actually make space for the fact that God wants to use us, that God's given us bags of gold and says, here you go. Can't wait to see what you do. And one day Jesus will come back, and I think we'll want to use what we have, be that a little or be that a lot, Because the good news is that when Jesus comes back, he invites us into his happiness, into his joy, that there is such joy in seeing the fruits of gifts we have used well. It is such a blessing. That is why the kingdom of God is a place where we take the gifts we have been given in abundance and that when we use them well, we will experience great joy that we will in fact be part of the joy of God in God's kingdom. That's a beautiful promise. I thought recently of another gift I gave someone that was quite risky. Sometimes when we use our gifts, it's risky. Have you ever given a risky gift? I gave a risky gift once. A friend of mine was turning 30, and I bought him a Chia Pet. Remember Chia Pets? <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about, those little planters? And then, like, they're really kind of, I, I think, like, really, they're kind of geared to kids, and, like, they're, what are they supposed to be, like, bulls? Like, kind of animals, and then you plant them, and they sprout. And I just thought, My friend, I think, is going to find this very funny. Like, I think he's going to get a kick out of this chia pet. So I high-risk rack up this chia pet. And for the next long time, whenever we went to visit their house, we would see that chia pet in the kitchen, and he'd be like, that was my favorite birthday gift. And he'd say, do you want to come in and see the chia pet? It has grown so much. It brings me so much joy. And it brought me so much joy. Not because I needed the chia pet. And not because I could actually do anything of use with his Chia Pet, right? Like completely valueless to me. Except that we got to share in his joy of a gift well used. God has given every one of you here something. Absolutely every one of you. I promise none of you have been skipped. God has given you resources, even if they're small. God has given you Talents. And not only may they not look like someone next to you, they won't look like someone next to you. God is giving you gifts. God is giving you time. God is giving you love. Don't leave them in a box or put them in a hole where they do nothing. Use them well so that we can say to the one who gave the gift to us, look at how great this is. Let's have joy together. Amen. Let's pray. God, thank you for all the incredible gifts in this room. Thank you that they are from you. Thank you that we can use them. Thank you that you ask nothing more of us than to use what we've been given. You don't expect us to go somehow find more. But, Lord, we pray against the voices in our head that tell us we have nothing, we're not good enough, we can never manage. Help us, Lord, to hear your voice that says what I've given you is enough. And help us to experience your joy as we use it well. Amen.